Hello, I'm Rina Dittianabil, aka Mummy Imperfect, and you're listening to the Sisterhood of Mummy Imperfect. And I'm so excited to be doing this episode. It actually feels like a while since I've actually sat and recorded. I've just come back from a holiday in Ghana. I'm just a bit like all over the place but I am very excited about this and um, I'm just getting back in the swing of things so let me just continue with my intro. The Sisterhood of Mommy Imperfect is a podcast where each and every week I explore the wonderful world of womanhood and it's a place where you get your weekly dose of unfiltered girl chat. It's a place where we celebrate those women who are game changers and I would say that today's guest is definitely a game changer. I've been reading her beauty columns for years I've recently finished reading her new book, Ugly. It's award-winning journalist, broadcaster, brand consultant and author, Anita Baguandas. Hello, Anita. Hi, how are you doing? I am good. Welcome to the podcast. And I I just want to say, first of all, well done on the book. Um, It's kind of blown my mind a little bit, to be honest with you. Um, Now, I, I do want to talk about the themes in the book. But first of all, you have worked in the beauty industry for years, so... Why have you written a book called Ugly? Yeah, it's um, it's a long story, but um, I have worked in the beauty industry for years and I wrote the book because ever since I was a really little, like a young, a young girl and a child, I had a strong sense of feeling ugly. And that sense was one of the things that actually eventually drove me to want to you know, to become obsessed with beauty products and then to eventually have a whole career in beauty. So, yeah, there's actually a really strong link, which is interesting. I mean, the first line in your book is Anita Bogwandas is really ugly. Now, that how much did that affect you and who said that and when? Yeah, so that was a comment um, that was left on a digital piece that I wrote, which um, it was a column and I was... Uh, it, we did it every week and I was always pictured alongside my two, you know, my two colleagues who were white and I guess you'd say sort of conventionally attractive and it would be the three of us would be pictured and we'd try different trends. And when that was, um, when that column went online, someone commented saying Anita Bagwandas is really ugly and it shouldn't really have affected me. You know, there are trolls out there. These things happen. <laughs> you know, I, I know that as a, as a woman of color and sort of like the public, I, I, I know that. Um, but um, it did really stay with me and I couldn't really shake it and I just felt that sense it just it felt like such a strong word and it it felt like someone was saying what I thought about myself but openly and publicly and it just I just kept thinking about that word and the power that it holds and everything that ugly encompasses and that's sort of where the book was born. I mean it, that word you're right it is it's a very strong word and it, I feel uncomfortable about it even like the title of the book made me feel a bit like oh you know I, I don't use that word and I have been on the receiving end of that word you know myself and if my kids ever say things like oh that's ugly she's ugly I'm like no 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 you know the only thing that can be ugly is your your the way that you your attitude really frankly I personally think that that the ugliness is something that's inside you know and that's the worst thing that you can be but you know that that word when people use it I feel like it is like I'm not it's kind of a bit like who has the audacity to actually use that word firstly um I don't know like who is so perfect who, who can use that anyway as you as you can see I'm very passionate about <laughs> eliminating that word from a uh, normal vocabulary and but but yes you know for your book 
the strong title and you've done so much research into this haven't you like the amount of research put into your book how long did it take you to write it um from start to finish it's been um about two years so yeah it's it's taken me taken me a while definitely and I just I wanted to make sure that it was really well researched and um just that all of those things were concrete and yeah, I think I think what makes the book maybe a little bit different to sort of books that have gone before in this area is that it does come at things from a sort of historical place because yeah. so often we're told that, you know, things exist, everything from, you know, like, you know, I don't know, being fat shamed or, you know, colorism or like all of these big topics exist and we don't know where they started. We don't know where they've come from. All we know is that we feel fat and we feel like our skin is too dark or we, you know, all of, you know, all of these different things. And we don't know where they came from and why they exist and who benefits from them existing. And that was what I really wanted to unpick because I think coming at it that way for me, because I tried everything I'd had therapy and, you know, I'd done everything and I still couldn't shift that feeling of ugly coming at it from this perspective made me understand it more but also feel angry and at the intense injustice and the time that I personally had lost from feeling ugly. Yeah. And and I, I actually feel that women are losing years. Like yeah. most women are use, losing years where they're going to look back when they're like 80 and be like, what was I doing? Like, look at me, you know. So, so I strongly believe in that. But I've come to this place after quite some time myself, you know. Um, that whole thing of like... Um, growing up and feeling ugly though like do you think it was because um like you said in the book you know you were a brown girl plus size dark skin in an environment where people didn't look like you did that make it worse yeah absolutely um I think our environments have a huge impact um I was lucky that my family are very supportive and I did you know that I never had any colorism issues within my immediate family um which I know a lot of people do have Um, And that's really hard to then have your sort of like immediate, you know, your parents or your siblings or whoever sort of say that you're not okay for some reason. I was lucky I didn't have that. But everything else around me said that I didn't fit in and that I was ugly and that I was othered for so many different reasons. And that, you know, that goes, you know, that extends from comments people make. um, And I did give an example of that in the book where somebody made a comment to me at a a party, an adult sort of said I was big, too big to wear a princess outfit and I had to wear something else instead it was a fancy dress party and and you were like four years old or something right yeah it was when I was four it was the first time I'd ever been made to feel like I wasn't okay for some reason due to my parents um and so yeah you know sort of when things like that happened or even just from the books I was reading you know or the tv I was watching there was just no representation and that just carried on and carried on and carried on throughout my sort of teenage years, you know. And when everything around you is saying that you don't fit in, you do believe that, you know, because you don't have the evidence to prove otherwise. Mm. I mean, I can relate to that in some ways. Like I, I, I actually grew up a lot around a lot of uh, South Asian people and um, like a lot of them were uh, Punjabi, North Indians, like my friends as well. And, you know, there is uh, that obsession with uh, fair skin. Uh, as you know within the South Asian culture and other cultures as well but um, like a lot of North Indians are actually fair-skinned and then obviously if you're North Indian and you're not it's it, like what is wrong with you like where have you come from <laughs> what you know you don't look so good because you're darker and uh, I, I did feel like that like um, a lot of my friends um, that I'm still friends with today beautiful 
girls but they're people who I in my mind I was like oh they're pretty and and I actually ha- went through a phase of they're not going to be my friend because they're too pretty and looked at it that way and always felt like I was the kind of you know like the wingman I uh, you know like oh they're they're good all the boys are gonna like them and and they did actually you know so I I can relate to that but it really affects us doesn't it like when did you stop feeling like that like othered and you know not not happy with yourself basically yeah I, I don't know if there was one definitive moment but I, I think it's been a gradual process and you know things like therapy do you know those things do help and I definitely would advise those things um yeah it, it did affect me for a really really long time I think it's probably maybe sort of in my earlier 30s things started to change I think as I started to read more about yeah all the stuff you know I sort of talk about in the book all the things about you know where beauty standards come from you know who creates them why they exist all the sort of systems of oppression that exist to keep them in place you know whether that's classism whether that's racism whether it's you know sexism whatever it happens to be and I yeah that was it just started to gradually unpick and then when I came to sit down and when I had the idea for the book and I put it all down on paper I was like wow no there's something here this is the miss- I, this it felt like the missing piece and then as I did the research I was like this feels like the missing piece um I mean I find it so fascinating the fact that we haven't invented these standards like they've been going for ages and, and it was fascinating the historical stuff of like what people have done to themselves over years um to, to to look good and, and things that are quite damaging like obviously we're still doing some of those damaging things aren't we um but then uh, one thing I realized and I was thinking about is that we have there's this thing uh in all like living things let's say to look good like even a flower wants to look good right you know to attract bees or whatever like that and you know when you watch all these nature programs it's like you know there are peacocks like being all flamboyant and whatever it's a thing and and we have this thing where we want to groom ourselves and look good but where do you think that line is that crosses into kind of uh yeah. that territory where it's not so good yeah it's interesting I think it comes back to like what good is and that is the beauty standard so that is you know we could in an ideal world we would all look good as we are without anything without any makeup without any you know without anything else so when those things are put on top, that's when I think we need to look at things and deconstruct them and just be able to know who is making those decisions, actually, so that we can we can almost take ownership of what looking good is for us and sort of create our almost like create our, creating our own beauty rules, which is something I talk about in the book. Mm. But um, I think it comes back to the definition of what is good, because if we are saying that um, to look good is is essentially you know you have to be you know light light skinned or you know white you have to be thin but curvy you have to be you know it's like all of these different sort of markers of what that looks like then that's the problem yeah and this whole thing of like you know when when it came to um i don't know companies like dove including plus size women like you you said it in the book and you're so right that it wasn't it was a certain type of plus size woman which was celebrated and and even I was like, you know, because I'm quite rectangular shaped and I was like, oh, you know, I really want that hourglass figure. And that's what plus size is. It's like nipped in at the waist and then you go big at the thighs and all this, you know, but obviously not everybody who's plus size looks like that, right? No, no, I'm plus size. I don't look like that. Um, and yeah, it is, you know, even within sort of inclusivity and, you know, the place we're in now where there is a lot more inclusivity and that is awesome. So we definitely, you know, let's celebrate that. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is still selective because there are still 
things controlling you know that representation there you know there is still there is still beauty standards controlling that representation and I think that that is probably the biggest thing so yeah for example you know quite often with plus size models or you know even the body positivity sort of community the, the people that are most often celebrated are usually white they're usually not that big they're quite you know particularly in body positivity despite the fact that it was sort of started initially by queer queer and black women and um, women of color it, it has become pretty white and it has been commodified by like you know fashion brands etc and beauty brands um and now the biggest you know plus size influencers aren't necessarily that big you know they could walk down the street and you know nobody would say anything to them they could sit in a you know in a plane seat and people wouldn't you know wince or sort of like be like oh god they're going to take up loads of room you know that's a very different existence to you know being able to go you know go to the high street and find clothes in your size so and that you know that's not to take away from those people everyone has their issues but yeah I think I think we do have a problem with how we how inclusive inclusivity and diversity is I'm seeing a change recently though some companies have put a really diverse range of models in their campaigns and stuff and it's nice yeah that is really good um yeah it's always it's always nice to see you know those things happening and yeah it just yeah I think it just yeah more would be good and you know as I said sort of like more of that inclusivity I, I think I still think it's rare to see for example a dark-skinned plus-size woman yeah I think I, I haven't really seen that. There was a TV show, actually. I can't remember the name of it, annoyingly. I need to write it down. But there was a TV show, I think it could have been on Channel 4 recently, where, you know, the protagonist was a plus-size, dark-skinned woman with, like, I think it was someone who was, like, a, a white sort of man. And they were the romantic lead. And I was like, I have never seen that hmm. on TV yeah. before. I was like, this is really different. So, yeah, things are starting to change. But, More you know, these things more. should also be the norm. Like, yeah. it shouldn't be. Like, oh my god that's an amazing thing to happen you know like we should stop we shouldn't have to feel grateful for these little bits of inclusivity that mm. we should have had our entire lives yeah absolutely um another thing you talk about in the book is beauty anxiety so what exactly is beauty anxiety yeah beauty anxiety it is when yeah it's it's just it's something that I know I I've always had and I from people like readers I've spoken to over the years etc I know that other women have it and I just wanted to give it a name basically but it is that feeling where we don't quite feel like we fit in and that anxiety then it, it's yeah it's, it's quite hard to explain but it's, it's almost that anxiety behind um you know the reason that we sort of think a product is going to change our lives so you know you see like a, a new face cream that launches that is going to get rid of discoloration or it's, you know, it promises to do something amazing in 24 hours. And we put all of our hopes and dreams and, you know, onto it. And that, you know, that does cause anxiety because mm -hmm. we think it's going to fix everything and it doesn't. And when it doesn't, we're let down and we feel even worse. And yeah, there are lots of, I think there are lots of different kinds of beauty anxiety, but that is one particular one I think mm -hmm. that pertains to sort of products. Um, but yeah, beauty anxiety, I think is, is just, it's, it's that feeling where we're not, you know, we're not, we're, we're sort of told that we're not okay as we are. Yeah. I, I remember actually um, putting on this face cream that was a hundred pounds. I mean, 
my, my one of my friends for my birthday she bought me like this sample size product just for me to try I literally I, I put it on when I went to bed it was a night cream and I expected to look like a different person in the morning I was like oh my god this is worth a hundred pounds I'm putting it on my face and when I wake up tomorrow morning I'm gonna look like a different person obviously I didn't I still looked like myself with slightly softer skin but I was like oh my I was like what like excuse me I wasn't this is not what I was promised it's crazy um it, it's yeah you know you you working in beauty though and, and trying products and, and 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 being a brand consultant and that kind of thing and then writing a book like this like how, I'm just curious how do you kind of manage that both sides of that you know do you feel like yeah. sometimes living in a cave and shunning it all and just letting your body hair grow and whatever do you know what I mean yeah yeah it is it, it is tricky I think you know the absolute version of that would be to renounce all beauty products, all beauty standards, et cetera, et cetera. And just like, you know, yeah, live in a cave, exist without any kind of, you know, like imposed beauty standards. But that just isn't the reality. It's not the reality for me. It's not the reality for most people. And so for me, as much as I think that that, you know, that probably is the happiest approach, honestly, but it is not it's not reality and what I wanted to do was find a way for us to live within this society live within you know the beauty industry live within the fashion industry etc and be able to navigate that on our own terms and to just take ownership again of what we think beautiful is and you know what you know our own beauty standards basically so that's where I come at things from and I guess in terms of the other you know my role you know as a, as a beauty journalist and also as a beauty brand consultant and as, and whatnot is to just come at things from integrity if I don't believe in something I generally won't yeah. you know I won't talk about it on my you know my own social media or anything like that or you know um if I'm working on brands you know generally speaking I'll only work with brands that I think either want to do better and will make a proper change throughout their whole structure and and generally that is why a brand would come to me or it's you know a brand that is doing great stuff already and could be better or you know something I believe in I probably wouldn't work with a brand that I thought was disempowering I quite often flag things you know it's, it's interesting because I think if you yeah I, I guess as a professional in the industry I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people maybe don't see so I probably send at least three or four emails a week going oh that was problematic this is what you know it's not my job to do that but I, I want to be part of making this a better, safer place for people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you just uh, mentioned social media there and, and I was just, it just made me think about like how we use social media now and how it makes us feel about ourselves. And you did write about it in the book as well. And that whole thing of comparing ourselves to others. Now, how do you um, manage that and how would you kind of, like encourage other people to manage that whole thing because it's 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 quite bad now you know um the people that we see we see a lot more people don't we and it's it's quite easy to fall in that trap of comparing yourself yeah it is really it's really easy to do that um and so yeah I'll, I'll give you an example of something that happened to me and and this is when I really clocked how bad social media could be could could you know and how it could affect us is think it was probably like oh, like maybe like eight years ago um it was when or eight nine years ago it was when social media like instagram was really taking off and um facetune was just 
you know people were just starting to use Facetune and, and just sort of starting to know about it and um I didn't actually really fully realize that that you know so I, I was following lots of people on Instagram and lots of models and celebrities and stuff or you know people I had to follow for work and I'd kept looking at them and I was like oh they look so good they look really amazing and then another colleague said to me oh everyone uses Facetune app Facetune and I was like right right cool okay and then um I tried it and I was like oh my god and I really started to there was a real disconnect then between how I looked in the mirror and how this this sort of idealized version of myself and I'd never wanted any filler or any sort of tweakments or anything like that injectables before this point and as soon as I started doing that and I probably only did it for a few weeks I went and had loads of like filler put in my face and I didn't really you know I was 30 I didn't really need it nobody actually needs it you know it's a, yeah. that's a decision and it's a choice that's another thing we need to get away from thinking that we need to do these things we don't um and it was just a real you know I could see that exactly what had happened it was like this happened then this happened then this happened it was a chain reaction yeah. and yeah it was a real wake-up call to me then because you know it's fine to have those things and that isn't you know I very like I don't want to it's not my place to judge people um it's my you know what I want to do is to give them options but yeah what what I really felt was that when that filler started to wear off I started to really hate my face in a way that I hadn't in quite such a sort of extreme way before it was really really extreme I just thought I can't do this anymore but what I did sort of see was that exactly how social media can really impact you and then the decisions you make after that so I think for me and one of the things I talk about in the book is just reclaiming your feed and making it you know there are there are increasing studies coming out around social media and its effects on us its effects on our self-esteem and I think we just have to be able to police that for ourselves so to really reclaim your feed and one thing that really made a huge difference to me and I probably did this maybe just after this period um was that I started to follow plus loads and loads of plus size and body positive body positivity influencers who were sort of my size or bigger and what that really showed me was well number one it had a really big effect on how I saw myself um, and number two it just felt like every time I was looking at my feed I wasn't beating myself up I wasn't following all the fitspo people that I was following before etc and I think it can be a really good way to almost normalize something that you are struggling with, something that has made you feel ugly. If you fill your feed with that, with people who are embracing it, with people who don't hate themselves because of it, it's so empowering. And I actually think it's one of the greatest ways that we can almost like turn down the dial on all that self-loathing and yeah, just sort of gradually start to love ourselves a little bit more. Mm, yeah. Wow. I mean, the power of social media is, is crazy, right? But I like the way that you're saying to turn it into something positive that's going to make you feel better about yourself. Um, I mean, you you talked about that experience and it that was, you know, like you said, about eight years ago. And now filters are very normal and, you know, everybody has them on. And, and, and it is, and I know a lot of people, people that are close to me, my family even, who they hate their own face without a filter like in terms of a photo if it hasn't got a filter on they don't like it oh no I don't know it's like that's your face be okay with it you look amazing you're right so it's it's gotten worse um yeah and and that I think that that probably is a very common thing that you have described you know that chain reaction looking at yourself in a filter or other people or whatever and then leading up to the treatments um 
I think it's probably more common. And that's why there's a lot of people who look very similar nowadays, I think, probably. Yeah, 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 definitely. There is a very sort of, I guess, quite a homogenized look. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, we do have to be really careful to, and you know, I don't want to, I know it's really easy to use filters. I know it's really tempting. Um, I know it's also really hard when you see what you look like and then you see what everyone else's social media looks like and they've all used the filters. So you're like, well, why don't I? Um, but it, I think that's where you have to go. You have to take all the, you know, reclaim your autonomy and go, do I want to feel yeah. like this for the rest of my life? Do I want, like, you know, this is actively making me feel worse. Can I take the hit and not use the filters for a little bit and sort of readjust to how I look and, you know, follow people who maybe don't use filters follow people who embrace their natural you know as I sort of said if it's something you're struggling with to sort of post without filters just completely change your feed up follow people who don't use them mm. follow people who embrace how they look yeah. and you know supposed in imperfections because it does make a huge difference and once you see that your brain starts to go okay that's normal that's normal that's normal that's and it just starts to sort of almost reset a bit yeah and also um, I don't know if you've noticed but this whole thing of of um, celebrating yourself and feeling normal like even posting a picture up of yourself and where you know maybe you've got I don't know your flab roll showing at the back or something like that and not having to be like flab rolls are okay you know it it's okay if you you know it's like just it's okay you don't have to explain away everything I don't think that's my personal view anyway it's like you mm. don't have to explain away oh I, I have a slight bulge in my stomach because I like food like you don't have to I think it's just like be normal and be happy and put yourself out there you know it, and the pictures will speak and if you're you know what I mean it's kind of like I think just be proud of yourself I don't feel like there has to be a disclaimer about why you're plus sized or not you know very thin or whatever do you, what do you think about it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, it's fine if you, if you want to do that. But I, yeah, I just, I would almost think about who you, who you think you're posting for. Mm. I think that can sometimes be interesting if we think, you know, in, and it's not even just, it's not even just posting. It's almost like, you know, with dressing and makeup as well. Who are you doing that for? I think there's quite, what's quite interesting is that there is a real rhetoric and there has been for the last, you know, four or five years where it's like you know I'm doing it for me I'm empowered etc etc you know often that's you know that that can be true that's cool um but I just think invariably we are doing it to, to sort of almost pander to like a sort of like it's almost like an invisible force that we don't necessarily know yeah. that we're is we're being controlled by or that we're posting we're sort of posting or like getting dressed for or like putting on makeup for and you know, so often that is the sort of heterosexual, you know, it is, it is the male gaze. And um, yeah. it's it's so tricky because even though we think we're doing these empowering things, there is this long lineage and history where that has created everything about, you know, everything from the way we dress to, you know, like our makeup, our, you know, that whole everything about us aesthetically is the result of a lineage of like centuries and centuries worth of, you know, really complex, interesting, different things um and lots of oppression and I, I just we can't discount that because that all sort of leads up to yeah what we're doing right now it's very hard to distance ourselves and sort of say sit there and go I'm doing this for me it's really really hard to do that and I think that's where you know when we are posting things when we are getting ready let's just tune in a little bit and notice what we are 
what why we're posting, what we're saying to ourselves, what we're correcting, what we're filtering, why are we doing that? I think starting to have a little bit more inquiry with ourselves around those mm. things can really help pinpoint yeah. any issues we might have or, you know, just help us shift a little bit. Yeah, because it is it is deep, you know, it is deep and and you do have to look inwards as well. Um and, and also like I think it's quite nice to have a break from everything that you're seeing and uh, social media and everything and just the people that you're around because like for instance like I went on um, a family holiday recently and um, it was to Ghana and that's where my it's my husband's mother country and like for me like to go there and take my kids there and for them to see for example that 90% of the women there have got curves natural curves that people pay for in this country and have just you know become in fashion here whereas that they're naturally built like that and it's like you know I've had discussions with my kids like oh you know my friends are so thin and this and that and you know I've got like big thighs or whatever you know and so that was actually a very empowering thing for them to take them there where it's like well this is actually your um these are where your genes come from some of them you know this is normal this is celebrated you don't have to be a size six to wear what you want to wear fitted clothes and whatever and it was really nice and I feel like um you don't get that sometimes you know what I mean you're in your own little bubble and you don't really think about that kind of thing yeah yeah that's really great and really empowering and interestingly I think they can also you know within certain communities I I know there's almost the opposite issue where if you're not curvy enough it's like you know you have to like I don't know eat more to put on weight or Do like you know there's a pressure yeah, on the other yeah, side yeah. as well know. you know this it, it it can I think it's more rare but I think it can it can go the other way too it so can. yeah I felt I mean, it myself Anita when I went I was like oh my god like I need to get some curves like honestly like I felt it myself so yeah um I just I wanted to talk to you a little bit about aging um because like aging as a woman you know it's something which you've written about it's something which you know I'm thinking about now as well like how how do you really feel uh honestly about mm. aging and your looks changing are you okay with it it's really it's really really hard you know like I'm definitely sort of starting that journey now where you know I've got like gray hairs and my skin is starting to change a little bit and it's it's really hard. I like I have no judgment for anyone who is freaking out about it because it's really hard. I think what annoys me is that it shouldn't be hard, and it annoys me that it's not as hard for men. And I think we have to remember that because, on a fundamental level, men are just not judged in the same way that we are. And I, you know, this is why I wrote the chapter on aging, and it was probably the hardest one to write. Is it's because it is something that I, it feels so entrenched in society that your worth and your beauty diminishes as you get older you know but that isn't truth that's a construct that is a social construct and I explain why that's happened in the book and I sort of unpick that and I I do think we have to the things that you know the things that make me really angry are that yeah it doesn't happen to men or that you know we are sold this like half life in some ways in that we don't ever you know we never get to really be happy with the way that we look you know you get all this insecurity about you know like being a certain size or looking like whatever until a certain point and then after after you know after that point you're then told that you're old and you're no longer of value or attractive to society and then you start to hate the way you look it's just like when do we get to be ourselves and be happy it's so so awful I think with like you know women in particular I think we just sold such a raw deal 
which is why again I think we need to try and like almost just before all of that sort of aging stuff and you know we're, we're we're told that you know you have this you know you've hit 30 it's botox time or you know like which is such a it's become this weird right it has you know we mm. have yeah it definitely has i noticed it my friends decided to talk about it around that age it's we need to go okay cool what how do i want to do this and you know you can change your mind and stuff and that's totally cool but it's okay how do i want to age and you know can I do things to make me feel better about it? So for example, one thing that's been really popular on my on my social media on Instagram has I've sort of created a highlight of like amazing older women who are like almost like redefining what it is to to become older, you know. They might just they might be musicians or they might just dress in a really cool way or like, you know, I think like the more we see people like that, the less it takes the sort of I, I think it just takes the edge off that sort of that change I guess and you know how how we're viewed by society and, and essentially the male gaze and I I think that can really help and yeah I guess personally for me just to go back to your question sorry I've gone around the houses um yeah I do struggle with it and it's hard and I you know some days yeah I am just like oh my god I look I look really old and then I have to stop myself and go do you though are you just really knackered is that what is that actually what's happening here? Do you just need a bit more sleep? Is it this? Is it that? You know, and then I have to you have to catch those thoughts and de- you de- I know it's hard work, but you do have to try and deconstruct them in your mind. And yeah. over time they do become yeah. a little less powerful. But it is really, really hard, especially when everything around you is telling you on social media, on TV, etc. There is one way to be beautiful and that is young. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm on this uh, WhatsApp group with some friends, um, quite a lot of women actually, who are all similar ages to me and, and everyone. The whole thing is about recommending um, beauty, beauty uh, products. And, and, and I think, you know, I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't know what we're all looking for because we keep recommending things and trying to buy things. And like, I, I'm a bit like overwhelmed with it all. I'm a bit like, what are we trying to do here like what are we like what's the goal to rewind the time or to freeze time or something like it's at the point where I'm like I just I can't be bothered with it anymore to be honest and like you you know I'm, I'm not gonna lie I do struggle uh, a little bit now with the aging and I didn't I didn't think I would actually but um I've noticed that I've recently started kind of looking my age a little bit and I'm, I'm somebody who got away with looking uh quite a bit younger for a long time so I think that I looked 25 for years and years and years, right? So I looked 25 up until I was 35. And I was like, you know, when you get used to people going, oh my God, you look so young. And you think, and then when someone guesses your real age, you're like, oh my God, how dare you? You know, and it's, which is stupid because it's like, that's your real age, like be okay with it, you know? Um, and so now um, I feel like, I don't know, something happened like after I had my third kid and I think, the something is probably just called life and getting older you know whereas I started to look a bit more like my age and being okay with that being okay with people not saying oh well you're not 25 that is a, something that I'm getting used to and and seeing things like you know little lines and open pores and all these kind of I never had to think about before so it's like oh you know and it's, you do you don't it's not naturally like you, as in like well, however you confident you may be I think it is gonna be a bit difficult like you do notice things and you're like okay what's happening here like you know and like you said with people around you talking about Botox talking about miracle creams you do think yourself like do I need this you know 
Yeah, it's it's really tricky. Um, yeah, I think this is why we have to sort of like think about it for ourselves and just you know it's 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 I think it's almost the decisions that when we do these things, you know, fueled by that beauty anxiety to go, oh god, mm. I need to do something. It's that quick fix, like what can I do instead of sort of sitting with it for a little while you know then we do make decisions that we sometimes get stuck in and one of the things I sort of talk about in the book in terms of you know particularly with injectables and cosmetic surgery it doesn't always end and and you know with injectables like once you have you know as I sort of spoke spoke about earlier when they wear off that's quite hard to deal with nobody ever talks about that you know it's it's not either there are no sort of in-depth like you know psychoanalysis before you go and have injectables or anything like that so you do have to remind yourself you know i might be locked into this realistically for the rest of my life maybe or until i decide i don't want to you know whenever but you know they aren't i don't i just don't think they're quick fixes and they're quick decisions we need to like think about how they how they play out for us and you know whether you know, we do want to spend the time getting those things done. You know, do we want to spend all that money on, you know, what could end up being like hundreds, you know, like thousands and thousands yeah. of pounds? Do we want to spend it on that? Is there something we'd actually rather spend that on? And it, you know, it does come down to those decisions and that, and it's that term beauty work, which is something that was coined in the beauty myth. You know, it is this invisible job that we have on top of being mothers or, you know, being, you know, siblings or being you know mm. like daughters or you know everything everything all the roles that women play in life bosses etc um you know it's like an invisible job on top of that and it's like how much of that extra work do I want to do and that's the choice we have to make but we have to make that choice and not just let everything around us define it and etc and it's fine to you know use anti-aging creams it's fine to you know but you've got to know that you know they'll help a little bit they'll moisturize there might be some good ingredients in there and that's cool you know some are better than the others definitely but they are not going to fundamentally change you know what is essentially a really natural process yeah and and that's the thing that is a really important and obvious point that you've made a natural process of of getting older and 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 it's like I think for me like you know when I've accepted okay you know what you are going to change your face is going to change because you're getting old I'm 44 you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not going to look 24 forever, am I? And to be okay with that. So, um, so yeah, that whole, yeah, that the changing of mindset, definitely, 100%. Um, you know, I was just thinking that, like, um, things that women say to each other, I feel is more important than even what men say to each other. And it can have a bigger impact on your self-esteem and how, and the way that you think about yourself like do you think women do that enough to each other like build each other up and and can it help this whole toxic beauty standards um I think it can be really tricky I think yeah sometimes it's obviously amazing if you've got you know someone going you look great as you are you know you know, and you can really take that on but I don't know sometimes I think the anxiety can rub off on each other with women and I, yeah, I've definitely seen that within like groups of my friends and I've got some really like big groups of female friends and there is definitely like, you know, if one person does one thing, then it feels like all the rest of the group sort of start to follow. And I think, you know, we almost set our own beauty standards within things. So I, I think, you know, or even not even just that, you know, it could be anything. It could be like, you know, everything from like, you know, having children to, you know, getting a big house or like, you know, it, whatever it happens to be. Mm so I think that's why we do have to like have that sense of autonomy over it where we are going okay 
I'm not going to let those things influence me or if they're good I am going to let them influence me and you know lean into that more and to just you know have not it's not a wall it's just almost like it's almost like you know like a sieve just being like okay I'm going to let that through I'm not going to let that through and just sort of like limit those you know the forces if they are a bit negative or you know if you are in a group of friends and everything is about like anti-aging creams or I'm going to have this cosmetic surgery and you know I've got a couple of friends who are like that and I find it quite wearing if I'm honest because I'm yeah it feels I'm like it feels disempowering to hear that for me but I also feel sad that you feel like that and sometimes that's exhausting actually if I'm honest and I think then you have to just sort of limit things a little bit and sort of just be able to be like okay do you know what and maybe I can't spend loads and loads of time with this person and that sucks but you know maybe that's the case um and just yeah just almost sort of just watch where, where those things are coming from because I do think yeah we obviously you know we know even though social media is a huge thing you know reality tv I think is another big influencing factor that can affect how we think about ourselves and what's normal and etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah our friends and our family have huge influence as well mm. I, mean, I remember when I, I went shopping with my sister-in-law once and I was I picked something up and I was like oh um I don't know if I'm going to fit into this because uh it's a size 10 and I'm don't know if I'm in between a size 10 or 12 or a put on weight or something and she <laughs> she actually said to me she went all all fully grown adults should be a size 14 at least and it's like obviously that statement is not true and uh, that is problematic for some people but you know at that moment when you kind of need to like that you're just like you know what I'm a full-size adult. I'm a full-grown adult. I don't need to be squeezing myself and starving to get into size 10s. Thank you, sis. Do you know what I mean? At that time, yeah. you need to hear this because it's like, well, yes, it's okay. Yeah, and also, like, it is... I know I know there is a real attachment, and I, I think a lot of women, you know, I think this is slightly better for the younger generation, sort of Gen Z, but I think millennials and upwards, there is such a strong attachment to sort of, like you know, being a, being a perfect size 10 yes. and like that stupid phrase, like it's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, and especially, you know, layered on top of it, that being a stupid phrase is that, um, you know, the dress sizes vary so hugely. And as somebody who works in this industry, they vary from batch to batch. So that's not only do they vary from, you know, like H&M to Zara, it varies from each, literally each batch of where each batch of clothing is made because they're made Sometimes they're made in different countries, each single batch. It might just be like a plain black T-shirt from Zara. It could be made in two different places. It could be made in two different factories. There is so much variation that you cannot base and outsource your self-esteem to mm. that because it's so changeable. You just can't. And this is the thing with beauty standards. We can't outsource our, our self-esteem to them because they change so often. Yeah. And, you know, even in within my lifetime, um, so I'm in my late 30s now, but even within my lifetime, there have been so many shifts in like, you know, body, you know, what the perfect body is. And we can't, you have to take control of that and have a sense of your own self and your own beauty and the way that you look, because that is always going to change. And if you don't, and I think so many of us have lived through this, is that there is so much misery to being having thinking you have to fit into each whim as it changes and each trend as it changes so we do have to like hold on to ourselves yes absolutely and and you know I've I've been there myself Anita like you know I've been there when Kate Moss and that kind of super skinny very gaunt look was in I was not that and now I'm here when the you know uh voluptuous Kim Kardashian curves are in and I'm not that either so it's like 
I've 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 got I've got I'm at that place like I told you my age I'm at that place where I'm like I I don't need to be feeling like that looking at other people I'm gonna you know I'm sorry but I'm an adult and I'm not gonna do that anymore but it it is um like you said you have to be quite strong and clued up to do that right yeah you do you do and it is really hard I think yeah particularly when you are tired and you've got a lot on it's it's really hard to keep those influences out I think that is when it can really get to us when we're not feeling mentally resilient enough yeah. or you know we are our self-care is not great or you know for whatever reason we just got a lot on that is when those things can kind of seep in and get to us mm. and I think that is that is really tricky one thing I just wanted to touch on as well I think you mentioned this earlier and I kept forgetting to say it but I think um quite often one of the things that really affects us is is that sense of when we are getting older in particular is that it's what that age means or has come to mean so as someone who is approaching 40 that it feels very overwhelming in a way that I don't think it does for necessarily for men you know and it feels like a real passing of time and a loss of youth and like all of this stuff is really tied up with it and yeah I think you know I definitely have a sense of that and I don't but I don't want to feel like that and I've been trying to think about why I feel like that and you know why so many of us as I think particularly as you get into your sort of late 30s and 40s it, I think quite often it is like you know we are forced into these more adult roles in life and you know we have lots of responsibilities and things do sometimes become a bit monotonous etc cetera, etc cetera. you know you are sometimes in this sort of slightly like you're in a more grown-up life and I think quite often the thing that happens is that we then start to feel old because of we're not necessarily well we are in these slightly more adult lives but we're not necessarily having so much fun as we should and I know that sounds like a really basic thing to say but I think that is a huge huge part in that the things that we loved about you know being you know younger disappear and so often I think we turn that sadness on ourselves and on our looks and it becomes like Oh, I look really old, I look really tired, I look like this, you know, I feel old. And actually, yeah, of course, there's been some biological aging, of course. But I think a huge part of it is a loss of the youthful things that we've enjoyed. And I talk about this in the book, it's like, how can you reclaim those things? You know, do you feel old? Or do you just want to go out more and see your friends more? Do you want to go see some bands? Do you want to, you know, do you want to I don't know go traveling do you want to do all of these things that you used to do can you reclaim some of those things in your life before you start turning to things to make you feel less old because it isn't just a biological you know it isn't just that biological factor there is like a mental factor and I think that loss of the things we enjoy is a really big part of it and we can do that for beauty too you know like if you I don't know if you were like a noughties emo kid and you loved like you know the black eyeliner and in the fringe or whatever it was you know can you reclaim some of that through your makeup it doesn't have to be necessarily boring now that you're in your 40s 50s 60s etc it can be what you want it to be and you can redefine that so can you lean back into that younger version of yourself in some way without like having to literally turn the clock back with injectables or cosmetic surgery or whatever it happens to be and don't you think Anita that people that you meet in life who are like older than me and you and they are constantly willing to uh, have adventures and to learn and to have those good times and create those moments that they some there's something about them obviously they might look older because they are older but don't you think there's something about them that is really uh, still quite vibrant and youthful 
yeah absolutely you know this is why everyone is obsessed with like iris apple or you know whoever it happens to be you know these older women that are really incredible it's because they are really inspiring and they they are the people that almost like the beacons that show us that we can be different we can be ourselves we can be whatever we want to be we don't have to let age define us you know iris apple is what like i can't know how old she is 90s 100s and like you know is like coming out with fashion ranges and stuff and you know i just think yeah we don't have to let age define us in that way so yeah yeah it's very interesting 100% you know what it's been so nice talking to you and I feel like you know there's obviously so much more we could talk about because it's a very deep subject um but um just remind people like where they can get your book is it out in paperback now it's not no so it's out in hardback and you can get that from you can get it from Amazon you can get it from Foils you can get it from Waterstones um independent bookshops as well you can uh, if you want to go to an independent bookshop ask it and they will hopefully have it or order it in um it's on audible as well if you would like to listen to me me uh, reading it um so yeah there's lots of different places and yeah if you have anything you want to say or any questions you can find me on instagram at it's me and need to be lovely and you're everywhere anyway aren't you because you know that you do a lot of columns beauty other things as well so yeah um, yeah i yeah a column in the guardian saturday magazine and Lots of stuff for Condé Nast Traveller as well. Lovely. Well, Anita, you are absolutely smashing it with this book, with your column. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. And thank you for listening um, as well. Please do make sure that you follow this podcast, that you subscribed. Um, like I, I feel like a lot more of you are listening and it's really nice and people are sharing this. So please keep doing that. And thank you for tuning in. Until next week. Peace out, Bernie. Bye. Bye.